Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Sarah, and this is Micah, and we're the pastors at the Vine Church. Yes, thank you for joining us here online. Likely, again, many of us have been together in this format before, so this is going to look pretty similar to what we experience online on a weekly basis. However, our uh, weekly gathering, our in-person gathering, is quite different today. Um, due to the increased spread of COVID and our volunteer teams being stretched quite thin, uh, we've decided to postpone our in-person uh, Sunday morning worship gatherings for the next two weeks. That is January 30th and February 6th. Now, this two-week pause will give us time to rest and to recover. Um, and though we're going to miss gathering together in that sort of community, we believe that this decision reflects our continued commitment to safety uh, and to caring for each other well. So we will continue posting a message online during these two weeks. And in addition, on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., there will be a few members of our pastoral and prayer team out front, outdoors, at the building for anyone who does show up. Um, and so if you'd like to come by and chat or pray with us, knows, know that we will be outdoors there. Uh, we will have hot drinks and some heaters, some outdoor space heaters. Uh, so you're welcome to come by and pray with us this week or next as well. Absolutely. You know, we just want to acknowledge that this is a challenging time for us and for a lot of people. And yet God is so good and God is doing such amazing things um, in our community and specifically here at the Vine. And we're so excited and we're going to really miss gathering together. But we know that God is still working. And so we look forward to coming together in a, in a couple of weeks. Yes, we're excited for what's ahead. Beautiful things coming. So uh, today we're going to be in first uh, in John chapter four, uh, and we're going to be talking about God's knowledge and involvement in our lives. Yeah, you know, God knows our stories. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where either an old friend or for me, um, a few weeks ago, my, my younger brother came over and you start to have these conversations about a shared history. So with my brother, I started, we started talking about childhood and just the, the fun and the silly and the hard things that happened. And we were able just to kind of reminisce. And there were also some inside jokes and some goofiness and silliness that others didn't understand who, who hadn't been there. But with my brother, we're able to have that that shared common history. And it's so fun when you get to talk with someone who knows part of your story and you can just start off from, from that place. And as we look at this story, we're gonna realize, we're gonna see in here how God knows all of our stories and not just a, a piece of it, but all of our stories. Yeah, we're going to look in John chapter 4 at the story of Jesus and his inter interaction with a Samaritan woman uh, at a well there in Samaria. So Jesus is traveling through Samaria. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the, the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, 
you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. All right. So there's a number of cultural and contextual things we want to touch base on to ensure we're seeing some of the nuances of this story, one of which being the divide between the Jewish and the Samaritan people. Now, there were intense both religious and ethnic tensions between the Samaritan and the Jewish people. Uh, Samaria was actually surrounded by uh, Israel. And um, and so there were incredible tensions with these people that kind of lived amongst the Jewish people. You see, seven, 700 years approximately uh, previous to, to Jesus, um, the Assyrians had come and they'd conquered Israel. And they brought with them many nationalities and many different gods that these other nationalities worshipped. And the Samaritan Jews that remained there in that area, they intermarried and they took on the worship and the cultures of these other nations. So they were Jewish people that had integrated with the other cultures and had begun to worship other gods, which of course on multiple levels was against the Jewish law. And so the Jews considered the Samaritans to be traitors and even worse than the Gentiles or the foreigners, the Jews, there was uh, an intense animosity between mm. them. And so as we as we look at this story, as we read this story, there's some unusual things that are in this story that we might not recognize as unusual, but someone from the first century Israel would recognize as, oh, wow, that is not how things are normally done. That is not how it normally goes. And so we just want to draw attention to that. First of all, the disciples go into the Samaritan town to buy food. That was actually unusual because most of the time when Jews had to travel through Samaria, they would take their own food so that they could avoid contact mm -hmm. with Samaritans. Again, this is a great amount of animosity. In fact, some Jews even chose to go the long way around Samaria to get, get up to Galilee um, mm -hmm. just to avoid avoid that area entirely. Absolutely. So, and, and in fact, in scriptures we read of people making that journey, it's unique, interesting that Jesus chose mm -hmm. to go straight through the middle. Additionally, it's interesting that we see the Samaritan woman coming out to the well alone at noon. Um, so uh, to be alone is unique in that Typically, the women would go out mm -hmm. together and, and gather the water um, in community and conversation. Uh, but additionally, at noon is a strange time. Typically, it would be done early in the morning or later in the evening, but not in the heat of the day. So here she is alone in the middle of the day when she wouldn't expect to meet other people at the well. And she does meet Jesus there. And it's highly unusual that Jesus, as a Jewish man, would speak to her and, and for different reasons. So Jesus speaks to the, uh, speaks to the Samaritan woman and asks for water. So it's unusual because of the, the ethnic 
and religious animosity between the Samaritans and the other Jews. But it's also highly unusual because of just the gender norms of, of the culture. So men did not speak to women in public. Sometimes even men didn't speak to their own wives in public. Women in the first century had a very low standing in society. And so this conversation would have raised a whole lot of eyebrows like what don't don't speak to her yeah. yeah and in fact she responds in that way she says how is it possible that you're speaking well, why are you talking to me <laughs> to me yeah and yeah. jesus begins to shift the conversation saying if only you knew mm -hmm. who i am who it is that's speaking to you and that will be revealed a little bit later in the text but he also speaks of if only you knew the gift of god I love, I love this phrase. If only you know who I was and the gift of God that I could give you. And Jesus speaks of this living water. And it's a beautiful metaphor here as he's sitting tired and thirsty by this well and the woman is drawing water. He's speaking of this living water that wells up inside of us like a spring and, and overflows to e eternal life. You know, later on in, in John, he'll reference this idea of living water and relate it to the Holy Spirit and the life-giving force that is the presence of God within us. Yeah, so he takes this really unique interaction with this woman who's coming to draw literal water from mm -hmm. a well, and he says, oh, there's a water so much better than is this uh, that you could have, that you should have asked me for. He speaks of this water that would quench thirst for forever. Uh, a water that would quench whatever that thirst, whatever that desire, whatever that hunger is in our lives, uh, that, that he, that Jesus has water that would quench our thirst for a lifetime. And as a woman who had to haul water every day, which is a whole lot of work, this was really appealing to her because she took it literally. Oh, yep. well, give me this water that I don't have to keep coming back here and hauling these buckets of water back home. That sounds good to her. Okay, so <laughs> the story continues in verse 16 then. Um, he told her, go back and call your husband. And she said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband. Uh, what you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped here on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Okay, so from this conversation of water that will quench a thirst forever, Jesus shifts the conversation to her personal life. 
by saying, go and call your husband. Let's have this conversation all together. It seems kind of like a sudden shift there. Quite a shift. Yeah. yeah. And, and so he, he digs into her life. He, he begins to tell her details about her life that no one could know, certainly not a stranger mm -hmm. could know about her life. And I think we make a lot of assumptions about this woman. He, he identifies the five previous husbands. And I think there is a possibility. Often we think of her as uh, extravagant promiscuous, or promiscuous yeah. or any of these sorts of things. And there's a chance that that is the case, but maybe there's a little bit of unlearning to do here mm -hmm. as we're unsure of her story. Uh, a, a woman in that culture would have very um, little standing or very little, little likelihood of being able to make her own income and support herself. She would be dependent upon a husband. And so if a husband were to pass away or if a husband were to divorce her, which he didn't have to have any reason to do, could divorce her for any reason, she would often remarry. So I think if anything, we know that she's lived a hard life. Yeah. And we know that her story is full of pain and tragedy. And isn't it, isn't it easier sometimes for us to be critical and judgmental mm -hmm. of people instead mm -hmm. of being empathetic and showing compassion? And I think this is a story where, Yes, let's let's read this with compassion and empathy and realize this woman has had a hard life mm -hmm. for whatever reason. She's she's had five husbands for whatever reason. She's coming to the well in the heat of the day by herself. Yeah. And so there must be some sort of reason for for her to be an outcast. And so we we approach this story with compassion and with empathy. So so why do you think it is though that Jesus goes to her personal story, her personal life? That's a really really good question. I wonder if as he's talking about this gift of God, this living water that quenches thirst, that springs up in us and overflows to eternal life, I wonder if he's recognizing, "Hey, this is what you need." This, this, I see Jesus saying, I see your story. I see your pain. I see the hardship. And what you need is found in this living water, this relationship yep. with God, the presence of God. Yes, yeah. I think that's so true and, and such a beautiful idea and point. I think he also in identifying things in her life that really he could have no way of knowing, he's also beginning to reveal his identity to her. Um, in fact, her response to his knowing all of these things is, I can see that you're a prophet. Like you have a knowledge, an ability, or whatever that is not normal. You are a prophet, someone special. And well, that's true. He was much more than a prophet, which is soon revealed in the story as well. And so then again, there's another shift in conversation. And this time the Samaritan woman brings it up and, and she starts to ask about worship and saying, well, will you Jews say that we have to worship in Jerusalem, but historically here, this is where we've worshiped. The Samaritans have worshiped God here. And it's interesting um, Samaritans weren't welcome <laughs> to worship in Jerusalem the way other Jews were. And so she brings up this really big question that has, was part of what divided, part of the barrier and the animosity, um, just all wrapped up in this question between the, gen uh, between the Jews and the Samaritans. And she brings up this question of where 
where should we worship? Yeah, I want to point out one interesting little um, piece in the characters in this story. In the beginning, in fact, I didn't read the first couple verses of the chapter, but it talks about um, uh, Jesus gaining popularity and, and notoriety in his ministry and in Israel, and the uh, Pharisees being very against that. Um, and then here in this story, we read of the Samaritan woman, kind of an outcast mm. from Jewish culture. And twice now, she has drawn upon the Jewish heritage in her conversation with reverence. She's like, no, our, our forefather Jacob, it, he did this well, like he drank from it. And that's really special. And then here she's speaking of our ancestors and we worshiped, our people worshiped in this place. And I think it's a really interesting mm -hmm. contrast between the religious rulers in Israel and then this outcast Samaritan woman who's showing a great reverence for the history and for the people and for her heritage mm -hmm. and lineage. Absolutely. So Jesus then takes this, this question from the Samaritan woman and directs the conversation about what is to come. So the question was, was really where do we have to worship, you know, because there was this big disagreement and, and hot debate about where one needed to worship. And Jesus says, it's not about the location. It's about how mm -hmm. you worship. And Jesus's response to her is that um, true worshipers worship the father in the spirit and in truth, that worship is not about the place. And it's in fact, it's open to all people, even those who aren't in Jerusalem. Absolutely. I think that's an inter interesting statement. Uh, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. He says a time is coming, right? In Jesus, in this new kingdom, in this church that is going to begin, there'll be a new way of worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I think naturally we would read that as he speaks of spirit, he, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. this idea that we will worship God in the Holy Spirit and that God will be in us, mm -hmm. our place of worship and our experience of worship will be born of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. In fact, later on in the letters, we see our our bodies described as the temple of yeah. the Holy Spirit, both individually and also as a community. We are the temple of the Holy the Spirit. The temple, the place of worship right. for Israel. It transitions, the temple conversation transitions to we are the temple mm -hmm. in which the Spirit yes. lives, in which worship takes place. Yeah. And then he says worship in spirit and in truth. And truth is kind of an interesting term. We would think of maybe right versus wrong or something like that. Maybe he's speaking of something more than that. Uh, at one point, Jesus says to his followers, I am the way, the truth and the life. And in that interpretation, I find this really unique and beautiful um, Trinitarian conversation yeah. taking place here. So worshiping God through the spirit in truth, Jesus says, I am the truth. And so I see this beautiful connection between uh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, us as the temple and the place of worship. And you see that Trinitarian theology, the, the idea of God existing in relationship within this story that is all about relationship because the Samaritans and the Jews didn't associate. Mm -hmm. And here Jesus is draw, drawing uh, this woman into conversation and into relationship. I love this story. And there's so many places where we could go with this story. Um, the thing that really stands out to me today as, as we read it is that God knows 
our story. Just like Jesus knew the story of this Samaritan woman who who maybe was an outcast and alone. I don't know, but she definitely had a hard, painful life. Jesus knew her story and engaged her in her story. It's kind of intimidating uh, at, at times to think that God would know all of our story. Like in that moment when he identified something that probably brought a lot of shame, you know, all these husbands and now who's not even your husband. Like there's a lot of things I look back on my life and, and could feel shame about. And the idea that God would know all of those things, well, that's kind of intimidating. On the flip side, the story is that God knows the good as well. God knows everything about us. God knows everything about you. And, and so while we could feel shame, the question is, so then how does God view us, all that good and all that bad, through Jesus, his sacrifice and our faith in him? How would God view us? Well, Jesus here with the Samaritan woman responds with invitation, mm -hmm. an invitation to conversation, an invitation to relationship, an invitation to worship. And that's yeah. where he talks about, hey, worship in spirit and in truth. He says all of the cultural and religious things that separate you from worship or the temple that call you an outcast, all of these things, I have torn down all those walls. He says, you, who you are, I know all the good and I know all the bad, and you are invited into my presence, the Holy Spirit's presence, and you are invited into a place of worship of our Heavenly Father. So then I, I guess I want to talk in just a few moments about, well, so what does this word worship mm -hmm. mean? What does it mean to, to worship God? Often when we think of worship in, in church circles, we think of singing praises mm -hmm. to God. So yeah. the worship service is the song service. And yet worship is so much more. That is definitely a beautiful part of worship. And I love worshiping God through music that way. But that is one piece of worship. Worship is so much more than that. Yeah. And, and this is a timely message at a time when we felt a need as a leadership team to say we need to take a couple weeks off. That was a really hard decision to make. And, and I feel like we are missing something because that's a beautiful and wonderful time and place. But the message of this text is that worship goes beyond that. It's not just about a place. It's not just about a time that we spend together on a Sunday morning, but it is a way of living. There's this really beautiful verse in Romans chapter 12 that speaks to this idea. Um, Paul writes, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper act of worship. Mm -hmm. He describes worship as a way of living, of sacrificial living. And this is holy and pleasing to God. And so in the week to come, we begin to ask ourselves, what does it look like to live a life of worship? It's a life in which we honor God, which we, we show respect for God. We, we praise God and also we surrender to God and to his will and to his ways. And so, yeah, how I speak to my husband or to my kids in the morning when I'm tired or in the evening when I'm grumpy, that's part of my worship. Like, mm -hmm. how am I going to engage people? That's part of my worship. Um, how, how we, how we think and where we spend our time and energy, all of that 
we are invited to do in a spirit of worship towards God. I had a conversation with a friend this week um, who's dealing with a reality that many of us are. We live in a very divided time Mm -hmm. and we are polarized over politics and pandemic and so many different things. And we were just talking about the importance of uh, our witness in the Mm -hmm. ways that we engage in those conversations. Like the ways we, just like the division between the Jews and the Samaritans in the story that we see, look at the way Jesus engaged her. Like, this is what worship looked like in that moment, mm-hmm. to live into the way of God, to live in conversation, to demonstrate through the way he engaged her uh, what these kingdom principles are and what it looks like to live a life of worship in this moment here and now. And I think we're invited to that same posture in the week to come to consider, will, will my life be a demonstration of a good God? That is an act mm-hmm of worship. Mm -hmm. So today we invite you to consider a God who knows your story, a God who knows all of our stories, all the good and all the hard parts. And God still loves us and God still invites us to know God and to worship God, to live in relationship with God and that our relationships with each other would be a demonstration of our worship towards God. So you're invited to this journey with us. Absolutely. Let's pray as we close out. God, thank you for this day and this time. Uh, Thank you, uh, God, that we get to dig into your word and explore. And God, uh, may it uh, just penetrate our hearts. God, may we know more of you and may we be spurred towards action. God, in the week to come, in the conversations we have, the interactions we have, the ways we choose to spend our time, God, may our lives be worship to you. God, help us to be cognizant, to be intentional, to think of you and to worship in the everything that we get to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you have a wonderful week. See you soon.